hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. It's me. You know it's me, Yvonne Pearson, the host of Coffee with Yvonne. And I am back for another episode with another creative that you must know to follow on the socials. And more importantly, I know I took a little bit of a break to deal with, you know, life's events. If you listened to the last episode, you know why. No need to rehash. But I'm so glad you guys understood that wellness is super important, along with mental health and taking breaks as needed is super important as well. Anyway, we are back. We have this episode, and I hate to bring you bad news, but The next episode will be our last one for the season, and then we're taking a smidgen, I said a smidgen, of a hiatus to plan another season for you coming this fall. Anyway, we have lots to talk about, and some recent announcements that were just made a few minutes ago across the Twitters, so grab your coffee and let's chat. Before we get into this week's episode, we have to talk about our industry news segment, What's the Brew, that's brought to you by Black Nerd Coffee. Founded by two HBCU grads, Black Nerd Coffee is a Black-owned, woman-co-founded e-commerce business. As a coffee roaster, they specialize in small-batch roasted coffee in whole bean and ground finish. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Black Nerd Coffee. Coffee nerds unite. So Walmart... Yes, Walmart recently came under fire for a product rollout that they had for Juneteenth. And as many of you know, Juneteenth is now a nationally recognized federal holiday. It wouldn't seem like it's such a big deal, except there has been concern since the announcement was made by the Biden administration that it would become a federal holiday that companies would try to commercialize on this and make it so they're making money off of something that should be more of a memorandum instead of increasing the bottom line. Anyway, there was a tweet that was on Twitter and Black Twitter saw this tweet of a guy basically saying like, hey, did you guys know that Walmart rolled out an entire line of ice cream with its great value brand, the store brand, and products with plates, napkins, cups, uh, with phrases like, it's the freedom for me. I lie to you not, that's exactly what it said. You can Google it. And actually put it on its shelves to sell it. Now let's let's hold on to that for 2.5 seconds. The top execs at Walmart to like middle management, let's just put it out there thought that this was a great idea to put it's the freedom for me on a napkin and thought that people would not have a response to that. While I understand trying to figure out how to talk about a now federal holiday and figure out how to tie your business or brand into it, What I don't understand is the lack of, I would say couth, in my opinion, and lack of emotional intelligence to understand that Juneteenth is not something that you can slap a sticker on or a a phrase that you culturally do not own and try to make a profit off of it. Juneteenth 
For those who do not know, let me hold on. Let me pull up history.com so y'all can get some history real quick. According to history.com, Juneteenth, short for June 19th, which is why it's called Juneteenth, marks the day when federal troops arrived in Galveston, Texas in 1865, two years after the Emancipation Proclamation was officially signed by President Lincoln in 1865 to take control of the state and ensure that all enslaved people to be freed. And this is an honor to end slavery in the United States and is considered the longest running African-American holiday. On last year, June 17, 2021, it officially became a federal holiday by the Biden administration. So Walmart, with all of its execs, thought it was appropriate to almost make a mockery or try to water down the significance of something like this for Black people across the United States and sell plates, thinking that we were going to use that at the cookout? Are you serious? Are you serious? No. I think it's another example of how marketing needs to have diversification across the board in terms of who is being represented at the table from top to bottom. Because it shows me that brands and businesses like Walmart do not understand when they make these kind of decisions, the kind of backlash that could come to them from word of mouth marketing. It is still very strong because as of roughly 20 minutes ago, they issued a statement. Mm -hmm. They issued a statement, but they issued a statement according to mysanantonio.com, which is a local publication blog. Uh, they issued a statement basically stating, please hold, Juneteenth holiday marks a celebration of freedom and independence. However, we receive feedback that a few items cause concern from our customers, and we sincerely apologize. Apparently, they're now reviewing the products that are on the shelves and considering either retooling them or pulling them. First and foremost, you should have did that in the first place. And you really need to sit back and think about how this could overall affect your brand, how it could affect your business, and how it can affect the perception of what you really think in terms of these holidays that are important to the cultural groups you really serve. And knowing that Walmart is based mainly in small towns and Midwestern states or rural areas, this could have been an opportunity for education. It could have been an opportunity to teach people about the significance of Juneteenth, to partner with other Black-owned or you know, local Black-owned businesses in the area to support Juneteenth, to have an educational initiative behind it for Freedom Day. But instead, you chose to slap a phrase that you don't own on a napkin, mark it with the $4.99 sticker, and sell it. You could take that apology and shove it. But anyway, we have a really great interview scheduled for today. And before we get into this interview, I have to make sure we recognize Coffee with Yvonne's sponsor, PG County Apparel. I've shared on this podcast many times before and also on my Instagram. Please go watch that reel. It's super cute. How proud I am to be from PG County. As one of the most affluent Black communities in the nation, Prince George's County is home to everything from sports and entertainment to business and pop culture. 
PG County produces excellence and should be celebrated. Show off your county pride with PG County Apparel, with clothing and accessories to represent your region. You can visit pgcounty.com to check out their site, or you can find them on Instagram at PG County. That's P-G-C-N-T-Y. For listeners of this podcast, use promo code PGPINK10 for 10% off. Rep PG. Joining me for coffee this week is Marissa Pott. She is the founder and CEO of Spotted MP. I met Marissa a few years ago for a project at work, and I was just immediately filled with warm and happy colors and thoughts when she walked into the room because she just brings such great energy into everything that she does. Uh, in my head, she doesn't know this. I call her a little pint-sized powerhouse because Marissa is like petite, but her energy is tall. And I just love how no matter where I go and I mention her name in the room, people instantly have great things to say about her. And that speaks not only to her character, but for the passion of what she does and what she's bringing to the industry of being an advocate for change and also helping to make sure that young professionals understand their worth in the industry and how to show up as professionals. So with that being said, get into this chat, this really fun chat with one of my industry friends, Marissa Potts. Yeah. It's giving what it's supposed to give. You're giving. <laughs> You're giving what it's supposed to give. Thank <laughs> okay. you. We are going to get started in a second. Let me pull up your lovely bio because you have receipts and they need to be read. Okay. <laughs> All right, everyone. So as I mentioned, I have with me today one of my other favorite industry people. And I know I say that a lot because everyone's my favorite, but it's genuine in different ways. But Marissa <laughs> is joining me today so we can have a real chat about marketing and PR so you guys can finally understand how we work together, but we are not the same. Okay, we're going to read her bio. And it's a good one. <clears throat> my broadcaster voice. All right. <laughs> Marissa is the founder and CEO of Spotted MP and has over 25 years of professional marketing, communications, and event experience. Founded in 2008, Spotted MP is a Virginia certified small women and minority owned boutique marketing firm that provides distinctive and innovative strategies that deliver impact, branding, and build growth. Marissa is known for her mission-driven work, ethic, creativity, and expertise to deliver results to loyal firm clients. Her areas of focus include economic development, retail hospitality, real estate, lifestyle, and nonprofits. She's orchestrated work for a variety of local and national businesses within those industries. Marissa is experienced in all facets of marketing, communications, and event development from concept shaping to planning to execution. Some of her clients, like I said, she has receipts, is the Colorectal Cancer Alliance, Whitman Walker Health, Tyson's Corner Center, one of my favorite malls, Old Town Boutique District, and the National Council on Aging, to name a few. Although well-known and highly respected in the industry and region for her signature style, tenacity, and creativity, the quality Marissa is best known for is her strategic business savvy. 
Prior to starting Spotted MP, she worked for several companies in the Washington, D.C. region, such as being the marketing and communications director for the Crystal City Business Improvement District. That's a bid for the, those of you who don't know. Uh, and it's now known as National Landing, where Amazon is going to build their headquarters. And the technology company, MicroStrategy, global law firm, Reed Smith, and former global accounting firm, Arthur Anderson. And with that, welcome to Coffee with Yvonne Marissa. Hi. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm You're blushing. Welcome. I'm just blushing. I'm usually used to being on the other side of giving someone else flowers. So thank you. <laughs> no, you deserve all your flowers. And when I was reading your bio earlier, some of the things you've worked on, like the Crystal City bid, I'm very familiar with working formally in tourism marketing for five years. And I know the work that went behind getting people to pay attention to Crystal City because everyone knows Pentagon City area, but they forget Crystal City is right there next yes. to that main region. So we've seen their development, but to see Crystal City really blossom in terms of art, restaurants, and experiences has just been wonderful to see for the revitalization of that area. I I, I have to share, I can, cannot, I completely agree. And I have to share when I, a, a funny real quick about Crystal City, when you talk about how it's revitalized and, and the image that they had, when I decided to leave one of my great global law firms to go and help uh, launch the Crystal City bid and be their first director of marketing and communications, my managing partner at the global law firm, who I love dearly, um, and just was amazing, an amazing man when I said, I'm going to leave to go try this thing and help build um, uh, an area from scratch. And he looked at me when I, I said, where he goes, where you're going? And I said, Crystal City. And you would have thought, that I, I said I was gonna, I don't know, open open a porta body business. I don't know. Like, you know, it was just kind of like <laughs> he had this very strange look on his face. I love porta, plus me, I was like, put nothing wrong with porta, but he just had this look of concern as to why are you leaving for a place that has no soul and no, no, no heart. And, and it was known as the concrete government jungle back then. And I said, you know, I love things that you can build from scratch and see where it goes. So fast forward, who would have thought uh, where it is now that we we now have Amazon HQ2 and Virginia Tech Innovation Campus coming online there. So, but I, I have to share that story because he thought I, would, I had lost my mind that I was leaving to go to this place. But it's important though, to take risk with your career too, because I know I, I totally relate to that in my former tourism marketing life working at National Harbor um, in the marketing department, we our tourism division was built from scratch. So it was just myself and my director at the time. Hi, Josh, if you're listening, I still love you. Uh, so <laughs> we were building something from scratch, you know, going to all these different trade shows and, you know, figuring out the voice for National Harbor through these various channels. So I get it completely. Like, But sometimes it's good to do that because when you put your stamp on it, no one can deny your brilliance behind what comes from that work. So totally get it. Absolutely. I had a saying when it came to Crystal City and it was, you know, people kind of was like looking at me with three heads. I just said, the goods are odd, but the odds are good in terms of that place. And the goods were odd, you know, back then, you know, this is 
what, 15 years ago, you know, and beyond. So, uh, yeah, so the goods were definitely odd then, but look at it now. (laughs) Yeah. And it's very, it's very good to know because you bring that professional experience from both a PR and also a marketing background of knowing how to build a voice for an area that did not have a voice. And we can definitely talk more about this offline, but it's good for people to understand that when you have these spaces where you're building a community, you have to give that community an identity. If it doesn't have an identity, it's just soulless. And people can feel that when they walk into a place that it doesn't have a soul, you know? So you took your heart for your industry and you put it into a place that needed heart. So yeah, just giving you your flowers. Well, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Blushing, blushing, blushing. <laughs> you should be blushing, blushing, blushing. And Marissa, the title of this episode is appropriately and a little bit sarcastically called Forever BFFs PR and Marketing. For those who don't know, the two industries work together. Like I said, they're sisters, but they're not twins. But they're not the same. Can you please share exactly what is public relations and what <laughs> services a PR professional provides? Go. Absolutely. We are certain BFS. And how I like to kind of dumb it down for folks is that marketing is a process. It is an ongoing strategic process. Public relations is a tool that is in that can be utilized within the marketing process. And, you know, with marketing, as you know, there's various, uh, what I call pillars within the marketing brand of, of tools. So you've got PR, you've got communications, you've got social media, you've got all the things, right, that fall under the marketing umbrella. Well, public relations is, is a spoke in that, in, in, in that area. And the other way to describe it, you know, I'm a member of Public Relations Society of America, and wh- how we simplify it is that it is a strategic communication process that involves maintaining your public image and reputation and telling the stories out there um, that are newsworthy to a variety of outlets. So, and public relations consists of a variety of different things from your straight hard news that you see every day and on TV or in papers or in magazines uh, to press events. Um, You see those red carpet and also non-red carpet press events, um, more of the serious, you know, um, press um, media things uh, to community relations and dealing with uh, media professionals to media relations as well. So, it, it, and also one main thing that I'm completely forgetting is crisis management. I think we have all lived through crisis PR these past two and a half years. And I've certainly have been in the seat and telling the stories of how my clients have been affected with the pandemic um, and, and, and delivering that through crisis communication. So again, it is, it is a tool that can be utilized into as part of the overall marketing um, process. And you're absolutely right. I think people forget it's a tool and it's not something that you should add a PR professional when you are in crisis. It's not recommended because a lot of times they have to come in and kind of work backwards to figure out, okay, how can we retool this message to make you not look like a jerk, but look <laughs> like, <laughs> but look, you know, come out with a better outcome. So I always try to recommend to people in, you know, my industry or related industries, Hey, PR is not there to threaten your job. 
They're there to work with you day in and day out. You have to be in constant communication with your PR person because if it hits the fan on social media, dial up your PR person like, hey, just letting you know that tweet, we did not plan on it going viral, but it went viral. So I need you to kind of control this message on other outlets. And that's how I think about it, you know? Well, absolutely. I, I'll tell you, for example, um, there's two things that I, because I do a lot of teaching, obviously, in this um, realm. And, you know, for those that are rising communication PR professionals, I tell them to look at the news. And if you see a major headline that's, you know, going viral or what have you, look at how they handle it from a crisis and PR standpoint. Um my favorite football team, the you know the Washington football team slash Commanders question mark. That's a perfect example in terms of crisis. They're always in crisis, and uh, they'll never you know they don't really lo- work lockstep with their with whoever you know their PR people are. But you can really see and learn a lot on how businesses and entities navigate when they have a crisis and how they can navigate flawlessly or fail miserably at it. Um, and then uh, another example is the whole Will Smith incident. The very first person I thought of <laughs> when he slapped <laughs> was the PR person for Will Smith. Because now oh, she has a lot of work to do. <laughs> she had a lot of work to do. Oh, that is oh. a, where my brain comes. I said, uh-oh, girlfriend has damage control going on right now. I thought about her and I thought about his uh, his marketing team. I said, okay, first things first, shut off all the comments on social media, you know, take a pause and a step back until you guys can regroup X, Y, and Z. But that was the first thought that went through my mind too. Like, it's time to go. Crisis plan, you know? <laughs> yes. When you, when you see your PR rep immediately stand up out of their chair or if you see anybody <laughs> like that when something hits the fan. Yes. yes. You, you've got a problem. <laughs> you know, you're, you're right, Marissa, because more often, you know, outside of Will Smith, but when people start a business, they realize they need help down the road promoting their business through strategic marketing or PR. Do you think people undervalue the knowledge industry professionals like us bring to the table when they're building their business? Absolutely. And honestly, I, I don't want to say it's a, it's a positive of COVID, but Yes, I, I will say in the past, people thought of PR marketing as an afterthought, or we would come in at the very bitter end when they realized they, they've done this all this work on the business and operational side. And then they realize, oh, we need to promote our shiny thing. And then they call someone like me or call someone like you, you know, to help with the marketing piece. And usually by that time, it's really too late. Or they've short-sighted them, themselves in losing a lot of opportunity or a lot of runway on all the great marketing and PR things they could have taken advantage of. So, you know, to have businesses understand that marketing and PR is an investment, first of all, not an expense. And I think that's where the disconnect is, where they're like, oh, now I need to promote all this stuff but I don't have the money or what, you know, it's, it literally has been an afterthought. So really as business owners, and I've seen a dramatic shift now, um, especially during the pandemic and it could be, you know, making lemonade out of lemonade or shine, you know, shiny thing that there are organizations and small businesses that marketing and PR have a seat at the table for the beginning when they're building their business 
or if they're doing strategic planning for their business. And that is wonderful for folks like us to hear where it's not an afterthought. We have a seat at the table from day one. And what are some ways that people or businesses can really think about the value marketing brings? So for example, when I'm pulling together like a marketing report, I'm looking at if it's just about content, you know, social media impressions, the number of shares, the reach, et cetera, to kind of show, okay, this is the impact the content has had on your digital audience, or when we're running a campaign, this is a campaign reach, how many click-throughs, et cetera. So what are some of the numbers that PR pulls to show the value of what you're bringing to the table? Sure. So I always say PR increases brand credibility, right? So it's different from advertising, which is a piece of overall marketing where you are promoting yourself, you know, me, 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 me. It's like I like to say, you know, for folks, when people get confused between different advertising and PR, quite frankly. But PR is you have a credible outlet or a credible uh, news outlet that is saying something about you. Um, you know, there's TV broadcast or newspaper, um, a food editor, for example, or a fashion editor, editor or a lifestyle editor that is thoroughly writing a great or sometimes great or a story on you um, that helps increase your brand credibility. So there is a value there. For example, if you get a rock star uh, piece in the New York Times for whatever you're doing that has a huge reach and huge audience, that is some of the metrics, for example, that we, we track and we do have metrics. I do have metrics on what the reach is depending upon the media outlet um, and the frequency of your story being shown. Um, locally here, for example, like an NBC Washington or, 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 or Fox, uh, Fox DC, if they're showing your, your, your feature of your story multiple times, running it multiple times, well, that is a huge uh, value. Um, and, and you can't buy that value from an advertising standpoint, right? Because if you if you take like a full if you take a thirty second ad on NBC, it's going to cost you a lot more than the story that just ran ten times in their in their news uh, headlines. So uh, we have metrics that track based upon the size of the news outlet, uh, whether it's a local or a national or international, uh, uh, what those are the ROI, the return on investment is. And that, that makes sense because I understand that, but I know a lot of people who don't understand what we do uh, sometimes undercut their budgets for a PR or a marketing professional because they think this stuff you can do for free a lot of times. Mm -hmm. But your industry is mainly built on relationships, you know, yes. like knowing the right people in those newsrooms to run the story for your clients. And then on my side of the table, it's knowing how to strategically place those advertisements or what sources we should be looking at for those content partnerships to help increase the reach of that messaging. And really, Marissa, when you're looking for like a business is looking to hire PR help, I know sometimes people can put on their bio that they are professionals in our industry, but a lot of times they're not. But what recommendations would you give someone? <laughs> I'm trying not to be shady, but no. <laughs> what recommendations Absolutely. would you give someone to make sure they're hiring the right people for their team? 
Sure, absolutely. I uh, there's two two tracks I like to take for that. One is to don't be shy in asking for references of your clients. Um, and I know that sounds, you know, very simple, but you know, there's only so much I can say and talking about my experience and, you know, all the things that I can do on behalf of them. I like to put my clients out first and say, and ask them, you know, here, speak to, speak to the CEO of Whitman Walker health or Tyson's corner center or what have you and have them be your ambassador and your champion for your body of work. That is very helpful to validate credibility without you saying, you know, all the things, you know, just you telling them that you're great and wonderful or what have you. So really put your clients in the seat for them to share how they've enjoyed working. If you're looking, you know, trying, if you're sourcing uh, the PR help that you're looking for. And then, um, when you're going through hiring the PR help, you know, I always say contacts is currency. So really when they say, I know a New York times or a Washington post or an NBC, um, really interview them on how well they know those contacts in there or ask them to give examples of some of the pitching or the stories that they've done in those outlets or the folks like names of folks that they have worked with reporters and producers and the likes um, and share examples of some of the, the stories that they've pitched on behalf, behalf of clients. And then there's, there are some, because of the relationships, I mean, I have relationships with a variety of news outlets for over two decades now. There are, you know, there are, there are producers and reporters out there who have no problem giving a referral to, you know, where, you know, on your behalf. So, you know, I have great relationships with, for example, the NBC team, NBC Universal. There are several uh, news directors and producers where if I'm up for consideration for a piece of work, I've asked them and say, can you give a referral for how we've engaged um, together when I've pitched stories to you, how I've prepared my clients, how I am, how I carry myself when I'm on location with my clients, how I've provided you all the materials and assets you need to run the story, needing photos and B-roll, like how organized am I when you work with with me? Um, I think that will be helpful when you're vetting um, your PR partner um, and, and seeing if it's the right choice. And then the third thing I would say is making sure that there's, I would say the reverse, uh, where if I'm up in contention or up, up as a contender for, for work, um, for a new client, um, it's okay to inter- interview the client as well, because you really want to see it as a partnership. Yes. They're interviewing you asking pitching and contacts and earning, you know, your, your success, but it's okay if you're on the other, you know, as the as a PR consultant to interview them back and ask how organized they are. Do you do you see your do you envision your PR um, representation as a partner versus quote a vendor? Because I really hate that term vendor. Like every that's something when I have a new you know engagement, I said I am your partner. I am not an actor. Be like I have a seat at the table at the beginning. Um, so we don't get in trouble. We also understand what the strategy is, what our goals are. Um, so that is understood. So have no problem, you know, interviewing them back to see if it's a mutual fit. 
And see, another thing that I appreciate about you is that you are a professional. Um, I've come across those who have, how can I put this nicely? Claim to work in PR. And when you're asking them these strategic questions, they don't have the answers someone like you just gave, you know, like just understanding being organized, understanding that PR is not an afterthought. It's something that should be always part of the strategy overall from start to finish. Like, for example, if you're doing a community event for, say, example, 10,000 people, PR should not come in at the tail end where you're about to launch in a month. They should be part of that <laughs> session from start to finish. You know, same way yeah. with marketing. Sometimes we get in the room, we're like, you've been playing this since October and it's 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 June. Frustrating, right? <laughs> it's so frustrating. And I try like part when I tell, you know, clients and, you know, and just new engagements, it's like, think of it as your project team, you know, whether it's an event or a campaign that we need to launch or a business, whatever. We have a project team on the ops side, on the tech side, because obviously you have technology, it has, you know, the marketing side, the PR side, the project team has to be at the table from the beginning, period. And it, it really helps because like we can spot things that someone who doesn't have our strategic eye will see almost instantly like, oh, I don't think you should put this uh, tweet out there or this post out there because X, Y, and Z may be communicated wrong. There is a tweet that's making its rounds on the socials about oh, a certain boy. big box retailer. It's not Target, y'all. It's the other one. Oh. Uh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> We got to talk about it. But they, uh, there was this tweet rolling out about them releasing a limited edition ice cream and product line for Juneteenth that has received a lot of responses. Oh, boy. Uh, I, I have a problem with that because Juneteenth is, is still fresh, right? Like, you know, we know what it is, obviously. But those brands that are turning it into a promotional sale or what have you without authentically doing the social responsibility that they should and educating what the day really means. I mean, there is so much that that retailer with so much power that that retailer has that they could have did this differently. Uh, yeah. Where to begin? I, I don't like brands who, I mean, this is not a fake it to make it kind of, you know, kind of thing. You, you need to lean in hard and be authentic and how they approached it is not, is not okay. Um, and, you know, if they rolled out, a series of events, you know, community events that educated or did something online to, or, you know, video campaign to uh, educate people of what Juneteenth is, uh, trivia, whatever, you know, like anything that's not a sale, you know, like be in the position to be a thought leader and subject matter expert or try to be, or at least, you know, versus a promotion. Um, I, I think it's gross. You know, that's just my, you know, personal opinion. It's just, it's just not authentic. And, and I agree with you because this retailer, just in my experience with them, I shop at Target. Let's just put it out there. <laughs> this retailer has not had a good track record of supporting minority communities, in my opinion. And correct. 
And also, you know, when you look at brands like Target or Ulta, you know, they've done the work in making sure they're being authentic in their messaging. Yeah, it, it, it just doesn't feel right to me. And also it's kind of uh, making, in my opinion, a mockery of the day, especially with Walmart being in a lot of middle America states where you don't have a lot of education about different ethnicity uh I wouldn't say holidays, but historical moments that are not talked about in our normal kindergarten through 12th grade. Uh, 100%. It could have been a teachable moment in, and and we all know where, where this, yeah, where this retailer resides, particularly in the Midwest and the lakes. And this could have been a huge opportunity to be a teachable moment um, and use their platform um, for good. And, and folks that, yeah, so there's some folks that still don't understand what Juneteenth is, quite frankly, even though it's a, they really don't. So it's not Fourth of July. You know what I mean? Like it's yes. not. It's not Fourth of July where you're like, got it. I know what Fourth of July is. There are. I, I had experiences last year when I was doing work around people that do not understand what it is. So yeah. there's some work that needs to be done there. So don't just roll out with the sale on whatever, because that makes you look foolish. So. <laughs> Speaking of that, as a Black woman, a woman of color, someone who I know personally has done the work in uplifting other women of color in your industry, do you think that there is room to create other opportunities or really more opportunities for Black and women of color to succeed in the industry? As a woman of color in communication, I have found me to either be the only person in the room (laughs) that looks like me. Certainly experienced a lot of the, what I call typically hiring of a PR agency. Um, I would love to see the shift where um, women-owned, minority-owned agencies are leading or are the go-to for, you know, being their agency of record or their representation. Uh, And I, I want to see that like shift a little bit where you're like, okay, you know, we, we are content. I mean, we are contenders, but we are, you know, like serious contenders. And um, I think there's a huge growth. Um, I'm seeing a little bit of it where folks are reaching out and wanting, you know, women of color, communicators, PR support and the likes. And I think the reason being uh, is that folks are watching, right? Like, you know, in a business where, you tout diversity, you tout all this, you know, a lot of noise, but no action. They, they want to make sure that you're, you're, you're speaking the truth throughout, you know, from the vendors you select being very thoughtful to like your stand, you know, typical cookie cutter or whatever. Um, but they really want to see real work of a nice, diverse portfolio of vendors, staff, you know, what have you, um, in that. But I think there's, there's absolutely room to create more active, uh, more opportunities. Um, tips I say is, is just to use your voice. I mean, I have no problem being bold and vocal when, um, you know, to make my voice loud and heard, um, and, and recognized, uh, especially if there's, you know, issues that I, I don't agree with. I have no problem sitting on the other side of the table if I'm not <laughs> part of, but, you know, definitely, definitely be known um, in the room for sure. I really agree with you on that. I'm in, oh my gosh, Marissa, going on almost 10 years, officially, officially 10 years in my industry. I did freelance work before I like 
in fashion uh, marketing before moving into like the corporate side of it. But I'm now becoming part of boards, which is so weird. I'm a board. It's wonderful. Yeah. I know. We're bored people. We're bored we people. people. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. It's important to be part of these boards and be part of the the committees that are really fueling the changes happening in our industry because a lot of times we're the only voice that happens or that people hear when there it's time to make a big decision or maybe like a new internship program who we should be reaching out to given a different perspective and i think a lot of times in our industries people don't understand that there is an importance to advocacy in what we do uh, even though our industry is mainly creative and also a blend of strategic we have to make sure that when we do get our seat at the table we're pulling out the seat for the next leader to come up right behind us and mentoring as much as 100%. possible. We're taking the marketing babies. We're giving them strategic advice and really helping them see their potential so they don't get pushed out of the industry due to frustration, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, I was a type where, you know, I, I would be afraid to speak up or, you know, rock the boat. And this was early on in my career. And clearly that is very different now. But, you know, looking back when I was recently asked this question, what would you change? And it's, it's your voice. Um, I think now is the time, uh, especially us women of color to use our voice, ask that tough question. Don't be afraid to, you know, don't be quiet. Quiet is complacent, right? So if you want to ask for that board seat, if you want to ask for that position, if you want to be known as a partner, uh, you know, PR partner, communications partner, like if there is a void or if there is a want, ask and just to see the reaction. And sometimes that's really tough to take that first step. Um, and, you know, I'm in, I'm in a comfortable skin now where I'm just like, I want this. And I'm just not afraid to ask anymore. You don't know the answer. It could be no, but, or yes, but not right now or whatever. But some people just assume, oh, I'm not going to ask because I'm not going to be heard or, or afraid to rock the boat. And we just can't, we just can't think like that anymore. I'm rocking the boat sometimes some hard, so hard. I'm like, just tip it over. If we have to tip it over and start <laughs> over, it's fine. It's fine because it was sinking anyway. I just helped us along, you know? <laughs> And I really do think that, like I mentioned with the marketing babies, a lot of times we'll get the educational requirements when we're in undergrad or graduate school, but we're not practicing those skills in real life. In your opinion, for those who are looking to break into the industry or really pivot from what they're doing right now to PR and communications, what kind of skills do you think that they should have? And they could be professional um, certifications, like what, what do you think they should be doing to be the best? Sure. So I'll, I'll say on the skill standpoint, and then I'll talk on like organization kind of growth to career development standpoint. So on the skill standpoint, number one, writing. <laughs> and I know, I, I, I know that sounds very basic, but I also, there is a concern that I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it. Some of the younger generation is struggling with writing right now because we're all in text and emojis and things of that nature and um, really learning how to write. And it's not just me saying this. I'm also hearing it from my peers on the news and media side where, you know, there is a fall down on professional writing. And so, you know, really onboarding 
how to write a press release, how to write a pitch email, just even a proper greeting, whatever. Second piece is what I say, storytelling. Uh, We're going to pair with storytelling and attention to detail. So storytelling, understanding what makes a good story for the media or communicating and what does not. And so, you know, I do a little exercise with some of my, my junior team on, you know, when they sit on calls with clients, you know, does this make a good story or, you know, what do you think about that? Attention to detail, that is critical. It is, goes hand in hand as important as writing, uh, you know, follow up. Uh, you have to follow up with the writers and producers. Sometimes you have to make sure, like I went back when I mentioned about producer, you know, talking with producers, like your outline when you have a TV segment or whatever, you know, just attention to detail is super, super important as well. Um, on the organization side, there's plenty of organizations. Um, there's Public Relations Society of America, this Washington Women in, in PR, um, Women of Color and Communications, which is Color.com right now. Um, there are a bunch where you can, they have a bunch of programming to, to help you learn and understand and listen to industry leaders about what's what made them successful and grow. And I'm glad you brought up the writing piece because that is something when I first started out working for National Harbor, I admit, you know, I was not, I used to have a blog a long time ago, but when I transitioned more into the professional side of it, I struggled with communicating my voice in a different way for the industry I was working with. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I had to take my director at the time, again, hi, Josh, recommended that I took a professional writing course, like a business writing course. And at first I was so mad at him for saying uh, I needed to take this course. I was like, I know how to write. I don't need (laughs) someone to teach me how to write. I used to have a blog. I'm Yvonne Pearson. But the moment I took that professional writing course is shifting in my mind. It's like he was saying to me, you can write, but you're not using the right voice for what we need for this industry and who we're talking to. Right. And my voice from my seat, for those that want to get in the PR world and think it's all, you know, glam. And I always say it's grit, it's grit and glam. Yes. It's like the dirty work. And then, you know, yes, there is the nice shiny things, but you have, to, I have to write voices for a variety of clients, right? I have like 10 voices sometimes a day I have to write for because I got 10 clients or, you know, what have you. So you have to learn to shift. And for those that want to work with an agency or even in-house, you have to understand that your voice for whatever you're writing has to shift. So you have to write well. Yes. Yes. And even from a marketing standpoint, you know, marketing, as you know, is multi-pronged. And a lot of times we have to do social media content and copywriting for social media. And I tell people a lot that how you talk on your own personal platforms is not the same voice you should be using for a, a business or a client's platforms. You, a client may not want a bunch of emojis in their posts. They want to probably just stick to business copy with a sprinkle of fun, but it takes time and training to figure that out. And I do wish Marissa that the way we have professional writing courses, there should be copywriting courses for content creators who are looking to branch into that business side. Because if you don't know how to tone your voice to the right audience, you could be messing up who they're talking to and helping, you know, losing their followers at the same time. 
you know? Absolutely. I mean, my voice to write something like, especially like for social media, like a voice for a cancer nonprofit, like the Colorectal Cancer Alliance is going to be very different from the voice for the Tyson's Corner Center, right? For a shopping mall. So like we, it depends, like you, there, you have to understand the voices have to be different and also understand the audiences that are on there. Um, and not be offended and, you know, and, and be professional and, and, and all of that. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. And more importantly, slow down a little bit when you're creating the, this copy or even just writing a press release, slow down, print it out. I'm a big printer, kill the trees and then recycle them. <laughs> yes, exactly. I will fully, fully guilty. I got to print and I edit and yep, that's, that works for me. <laughs> it works perfectly for me too. And and speaking of knowing, you know, how to get your seat at the table, but it's another thing we sometimes forget is knowing your worth, not just on a professional side, but financially when it's time to cut the check, as my sweatshirt says. It was recently Equal Pay Day, not too long ago. And a lot of people shared content or personal stories about why fairness and compensation is important. We know as women of color, we do make less money. I think it's about 60 cents on the dollar compared to others. And oh. just transparent, they need to run me my check. But have you ever struggled with charging what you're worth? And then for those who are coming up in the industry, how can other professionals calculate their rate to make sure they're securing the bag and cutting the check. Sure, absolutely. Early on, when I went out on my when I decided to go on my own, I was very nervous about how to, where to set my rates, and you know, also think that back then I was already two or twenty years, you know, out. You know, I already had two decades of of work experience for going out in two thousand eight. So it was really hard um, to set your price and like basically wait for someone to say no or yes or, or see if it's fair um depending upon your years of experience in the field um it is helpful to do some research on what uh, what others that would say like comps right we always have you know what are the comps around you based upon your years of experience of those that go out on their own and that helped me with a baseline of a making sure okay, I'm in line, you know, the rates are in line, they're not too low, they're not too high, because I try to be respectable and also understanding the type of businesses too, that I was going after, you know, nonprofits, small businesses at the time, which aren't going to pay the super crazy high, you know, agency rate, they just want good, you know, body of work and, and, and someone, you know, that will, will deliver that. So when you set your rates, understand the type of audience that you're the client base that you want that is going to be your bread and butter and um, as well as calculate based on your years of experience in this field and, and do that research of who around you and, and their rates. But then also highlight what you get for your investment. And, you know, I outline, you know, not only my experience, but also my list, you know, again, contacts is capital, right? That's currency, you know, contacts are currency. So they're not going to have that access to certain folks without going through me, you know, and they're not going to want to, they don't have the time or the effort to figure out research who to, you know, like, so, 
you know, your, your writing skills, your access to people, your, your ability for people to literally pick up the phone when you call them, like they, people answer the phone because I'm calling them. Um, and, and, and they're interested, you know, your level of influence as, as a whole. Um, so highlight, and I do that in my proposals, like here's, here's what you're getting for your investment. Um, and, and that helps, um, that helps tremendously and don't be afraid to say no. You know, if you're like, here's my rate, I'm at a point in my career. I'm like, this is my rate. And I'm totally fine. If you can, you know, like saying no, thank you. If you're trying to lowball. Um, and I think that also sets up the level of exclusivity sets you up as an exclusive person that you're not just going to take anything just because you, you need to eat. But, you know, there's others that I've clearly turned down and said, no, thank you. And kept it moving and don't, and not, don't feel guilty about that. And I appreciate you saying that because I think it's on both sides, speaking from the marketing side, we struggle with people seeing the value in what we do. Like they want all these things, you know, they want the buffet, but they can only afford the appetizer. And we're like, (laughs) you know, I understand you want the buffet, but the appetizer is all you can afford. So this is a rate for the appetizer. And it kind of like, sometimes you have to find that middle ground with the client. Like, look, if you want this, I can do this for this rate, but I'm not doing more than that. Cause then we're right. Then I'm working for free afterwards. And and don't be afraid if they start itching, you know, extra work keeps adding on, you know, just kind of sneaking in and don't be afraid to be like, full. Well, be like, Nope, not part of the scope of work. However, if you want that, it's going to be, it's going to cost you X amount. So again, going back to using your voice and setting those boundaries and setting those ground rules. So you've set the tone straight out of the gate. Exactly. And I think I'm learning that more and more because, you know, when I take on freelance work, I I love working with small business owners, as you know, Marissa, um, and then working with like nonprofits. It's like kind of my way of giving back to the community. But one of the things that people don't realize that marketing professionals do when you have an onsite event, we're the people who are directing your photographer of, you know, what pitches to take. We're the person working with your social media coordinator to make sure that they are capturing the right information for social. And it's the behind the scenes work that I don't think people realize that we do um, that makes everything come to life. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is a way we carry ourselves, you know, again, relationships matter, connections matter. And if you're misbehaving, you know, you're going to cut yourself off with a quickness. So. Yeah. And also, you know, that in our industry, sometimes people can catapult to the top and making millions or hundreds of thousands of dollars within their first year of launching. You know, But what I respect about you is that you share with me that you built your company years before you started working for yourself full time while you were still working for other people. In your opinion, why do you think it takes longer for women of color to fully jump into entrepreneurship or build their platforms high enough where they can have the option of walking away if they want to? I have I have two reasons or two thoughts on that. Number one, because I, I hear it all the time when I'm asked for advice or counsel. Um, one, the reason why it takes longer, number one, the fear to jump, quite frankly. Um, it's terrifying. It, it really is. And I'm someone that's OCD type A needs to make sure my check, you know, I get my check every two weeks, you know, corporate mentality for quite some time. Um, and it's the fear to jump. Uh, and, 
that is that is a real fear. Um, I just had this conversation recently about someone uh, um, that is trying to go on her own. And she said, she says, I'm just afraid. I'm afraid to fail. And you just can't be. And you have to take that leap somewhere and see where it takes you. And the second one is the, the fear to share your idea of starting a new business because there's this fear folks might think, oh, that's foolish. Or why are you starting your own business? Oh, that's so hard. You know, it's all that negative energy that just kind of chirps, you know, chips at your ear, which holds you back. And you have to have that mindset to break through and be committed and and power through and just kind of flush that noise when it starts bubbling up and, you know, you feel afraid to share, you know, your idea. I think those, I see that, um, I hear that all the time. I jumped during the middle of another crisis situation, which was 2008 during the financial recession. And I had a newborn at home. Um, and you know, people thought I was crazy. They're like, you're, you're jumping and starting a business. Do you know what's going on with the world right now with the financial recession? And I sent an email, I sent an email saying I'm making a, a new chapter. Um, I'm going to start my own business. And I used my network again, you know, contacts as currency, and said, if you have any marketing or communication projects that you need support with, let me know. And within four days after I sent that email, I had my first engagement. So you got to start. And, and those are the two things I hear over and over again is the fear to jump or the fear to share your idea that you're starting a new business. So many, so many gems in this episode. I, for example started Pink Dollhouse Marketing because I was overlooked for a promotion multiple times at an employer, you know, eons ago. And I had this blog that I've been doing for a number of years post-college because after the, during the recession, I could not find a job in my industry at all. Working full-time in retail, you know, doing a lot of freelance work, air quotes on the free, because I was not getting paid. But I decided to turn my blog into a business when people kept asking me more for, you know, marketing help. And it you're absolutely right. It does take time to take that leap. I think a lot of times we forget that we bring value to the table as well. And we don't have to just sit on the sidelines giving other people our brilliance when we could just be doing it ourselves and get all of the credit instead of just a, a percentage of it. And it, it it was amazing how people are like, oh, that's great. You're out on your own. You know, I'm not working for a quote an employer anymore. You know, they could they could hire me for their own, you know, services. And it worked out that I, you know, I at the time had a newborn, I had Derek at home and I still could, you know, make some money and also the freedom and flexibility now of making my own schedule and fast forward, I now have the freedom of flexibility, not only to still make my own schedule, but also be selective on the types of work that I want to work on. And if it's not filling my cup or if it's more of a pain in the ass, then I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna accept it. So um, you just, you, you just have to not be afraid to jump. Um, Cause you don't know where, you know, you've got to go. Yeah. And I really think that you have been strategic in how you built your business. Clearly you have a great reputation across the DMV area, because whenever I bring up your name, people instantly just smile when they hear Aww. your name. So I was like, yeah, Marissa, Spotted PR. They're like, oh yeah, we know Marissa. And, 
And in everything that you're doing, because I see you on my social media feed going up and down the East Coast or the DMV doing great work. What's next for Marissa and Spider MP? Is there merch? Because that phrase you kept saying <laughs> in the episode, I feel like I should be wearing it or like have it like somewhere in my hand or, you know, what, what's next for you? What are we doing? Do I need to make Spotted MP merch? I, I, get, I, I didn't even thought about it. I did, I did make pens. I do have Spotted MP pens. That was my first promo thing, but uh, I'll have to come up with some kitschy merch. Uh, now you've got my wheel spinning. Um, honestly, right now is, I want to continue to stay in my lane and and do good work and be my authentic self. For those that follow me on social, they know I always keep it real. That's just kind of my mantra. Um, you see, you know, my family life, you see my professional life, you see my outside um, uh, interest. And I really think it has helped me in being very open and real about who I am um, from as a businesswoman, but as a mom and, 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 a, and a wife. It, you know, it's helped, especially for my clients to really, really understand who I am and how I operate, you know, and, and my personality. So I don't like playing dual personalities, you know, my business personality and my outside. I have always been, I was raised, what you see is what you get. And, you know, some people, you know, are going to be your people and some are not, and, and that's okay. But uh, I really, you know, just to continue to do great work for my amazing clients. I'm not trying to take over the world, not just yet, but you know. <laughs> it's a very authentic answer because some people are like, I have this, 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 and this outline, but sometimes you're just rolling. You're just rolling with the flow. I'm just rolling. And honestly, this whole pandemic, which is really weird because I'm usually like, in five years, I want to be, you know, but the pandemic, the pandemic's honestly squashed that. That's why I was like, whatever rolls, rolls, and whatever's meant to be in your life will roll into your life. And if it's not, that's okay. So that's kind of how I am um, at the moment. Yes, I, I agree. I tell people, uh, really my mom, I'm operating on a no plan plan, if that makes sense. Right, <laughs> right. You remember the days where they're like the five-year strategic plan? Oh, oh my done. God, now that's, it's done. It's, it's done. Out. It's no more. There is no more. There's a three to six month strategic plan, maybe a year, at least with my clients right now. Um, because who, uh, God forbid, if we have another, you know. Down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. The world of that. I can't yeah, deal. I, I can't, can't. I can't. I'm tired. I'm tired. But I'm tired. Uh, Marissa, like now that we got the main questions out the way, this is the fun part. So we could put, we could put our notes away. We could kind of like, you know, relax a little bit for the quick fire questions. This is top of the dome, mind you. All right. Got it. You got it? Okay. <laughs> I got it. Ready. If you were a superhero, what powers would you have? Uh, one, I would like resilience. I love in spite of averse, you know, competing, uh, dealing with challenges and in certain situations. So I would say resilience, like would be one of my, my, my superpowers. And the second one, I like to observe. And I think just, I think that speaks so much with obviously being a communication professional where if it's a crisis situation or a general campaign or whatever, I like to listen to what the situation is and then act. Um, um, versus, you know, a fire drill. So I'd say resilience and observation would be my two superpowers. Those are good superpowers, honestly. It's giving very um, Captain America or more Marvel because she's the OG, like kind of vibes. 
I like that. I like that. And when needed, you know, what is it? Disappearing, like vanishing. (laughs) (laughs) When people are just really driving me crazy. Yeah. I like to hit a button and just like disappear and be like, I can't like our timeout button. There you go. Is is that a superpower timeout button for those? It should be like pause in the world. Like, okay, I've had enough pause. Okay. I I want that button. I want, I want that button. So yeah, I want the timeout button for those that are misbehaving. So, <laughs> well, if we're okay, if we're thinking about like superhero, so okay, you would be a combination of observe. You said the the pause timeout button, and the first one was what? What again? Resilience. Resilience. So you really would kind of have like a Teflon skin, you know, because you know resilience you need to be tough. <laughs> Um, observing, you would kind of have like that, that panel x-ray vision where you could kind of see out into everything or like seeing your mind's eye. And then the timeout will be like pausing or freezing time, you know, to stop yes. the world before something like yes. drastic happens or something. I, that, that would be perfect. I would love all those superpowers, please. And, and now for my next question. Okay. It is date night with the hubby. You look fantastic as you always do. You know, what song or rap would you just body at karaoke night? Baby, I'm a star. Oh, I don't know it. Hold on. Let me look it up on my phone. What song is it? My mom's going to be so upset. (laughs) She's going to be so upset. It's it's from Purple Rain in the movie. It's a very upbeat. And also I used to dance to it because I was on dance team. So it's, it's a very like upbeat dance song totally could karaoke that out and it's just a fun song so prince baby i'm a star yeah prince's song baby i'm a star from purple ray our song my mom and i love is kiss like uh yeah we love that song so much it's ridiculous uh, <laughs> so i'll, I'll well, even... put up put up prince baby i'm a star and you it, it's very fast but it's okay. yeah it gets okay. it puts me in a good mood i, I like it <laughs> And then finally, if you were a coffee, because this is coffee with Yvonne, what kind of coffee would you be? What is Marissa's blend? Smooth, rich, and strong. (laughs) My drop. My drop. My drop. Smooth, rich, and strong. I love that. That's actually appropriate. Very appropriate. Yes. Yes. Smooth, rich, and strong. I see that should be my shirt. There you go. That's rich and strong. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I can do that. new merch. I'll I'll do that for you. So smooth, rich, and strong. People are like, who is this woman? Well, thank you so much, Marissa, for joining me for coffee. How can people find out more about you and your business, like the socials, all the good stuff? Tell them about you. So my website is spottedmp.com. And MP obviously stands for Marketing and Public Relations, but obviously my initials. So it's a little branding nod. And then my social uh, Instagram is mtpots, where you get all the fun family, business, my crazy side, all on Instagram. You can take through my life. It's a reality show on Instagram, which that's what people enjoy, apparently. So there you go. (laughs) Yeah, they they enjoy a good reality show. Just not, don't end up on the shade room. That's the only thing you do not want. Yeah, not the shade. No, I'm just fun. I get known as like the favorite Instagram uh, page, which is nice. It's great. Yeah. You know, keep it, keep it real. Yeah, no, no drama, no drama, no drama, no drama, just good reality, not the other stuff, not good reality and good reality. So, (laughs) 
Well, Marissa, I hope to see you very soon. Thank you so much Love for your that. time. I appreciate it. Hugs, hugs, hugs. Hugs, hugs, hugs. Thank you so much. I appreciate you dearly. I really love the energy good people bring to the show. It always makes doing these interviews so much fun and not really feel like work, but feel like a conversation with real people. That being said, I hope you enjoyed today's chat. To learn more about me and my business, Pink Doll House Marketing, you can check out my website, pinkdollhousemarketing.com or follow my business page on Instagram. You can slide into my DMs. It's cool at Pink Doll House Marketing. Thank you again to our sponsor, Black Nerd Coffee and PG County Apparel for supporting this show. I will chat with you soon. Bye. Coffee with Yvonne is produced and edited by Yvonne Pearson. Coffee with Yvonne is created by Pink Doll House Marketing. You can catch the latest episodes by subscribing to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.